Romans chapter 16. Man, I'm trying, and I'm gonna, we're going we're gonna to get there as a church. I'm working at it. You're going to work at it. This is the thing. Some of, some of you, some of the folks that have been in church a long time, we sing a new song, and you sit there like, oh, here we go, a new song again. And you miss out on the goodness of that new song. But then on the other spectrum, we have younger Christians that hear an old hymn, and they're like, oh, that hymn. And I'm thinking, oh, that hymn, you're missing the goodness in that song. The new ones are good. The old ones are good. They're all good. And man, we could sing all night long about being saved. That excites my heart, singing about a fountain being filled with blood. We could just go, and there, we were supposed to sing a new song tonight that's a great new song that goes along with my sermon last week. It's titled, When Death Was Arrested and New Life Began. It's an excellent, great song, great truth in that song. But we're going to, I got to work on it a little bit more. This is the thing. Some of you older folks who just get a hold of those new songs and how good they are, they will bless your heart because the words, people know how to write songs today, and they do a great job of praising and honor and glorifying God. I'll tell you, there are some new songs that are garbage, too. There are. But there are some old songs that are garbage, too. We won't go there. It's the same thing. But then some of you younger folks, younger in the Lord, I know those hymns you might not sing exactly that way today and everything else. But man, if you got a hold of the, the words of those songs, I love the fact that I can be in the middle of both and enjoy it on both sides. I love a good new song, and I could get excited and praise the Lord about an old classic hymn. It just doesn't get any better. When you can sing and bring praise to God, just get with it. And one day we're going to get everybody on that same page. Because I see, I see you. I see some of you older folks with those newer songs. And that's okay. I love it. And I know sometimes it's hard to get in, in, and I know you see a new song and it's like, ugh. but then you got to remember you got this whole opposite spectrum where you got an old goodie that some people have never heard and they just don't, you know, I'm saying saved and then you're saying glory I'm saved and all that's going on. What's going on in between there? Some people just don't know. But that's good old fashioned church singing right there. Are you washed in the blood? It doesn't get much better than that. There is a fountain we could just go on all night long. There are great songs in that songbook, and there are great new songs that we sing. Just learn to enjoy singing to God, old or new. Get with it. We're going to get there. And, I, and this, is, this is the thing. This is what happens, and I get it. I get it. Why am I going here? I don't even know. I'm tired. It's been a long day. I had, the, I had youth group a little bit ago, and we had a good, time, a good group there today. But I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm at the end of my, I'm at the end of things tonight. So I might just say something I shouldn't right now, but we're just going to go with it because this is where I feel we need to stick for a minute. And I totally just lost what I was going to say. Isn't that amazing when that happens? That might be, that might be a blessing in disguise. You never know. I don't, where was I going? I was going somewhere with that thought. I know it was senior moment. You are who you hang around. That's what they say. You are who you hang around. I did spend a lot of time with those seniors on Thursday. And I still, I'll never forget Russ going around to other tables passing out mints. Just like thinking, what are those people thinking right now? I'm literally just ducking my head. And he's just over there. To, and he found out. He invited people to church in the midst of it. He even, the waitress, he was being so nice to her. She gave him a free piece of pie. Where do you go that they offer you a free piece of pie? It pays to be nice, right, Russ? And so that works out good. Yeah. I wish I could remember what I was going to say right there. That's awful. 
That's awful. That's awful, but that's okay. If you know, if you notice, I'm just stopping for a second to think for what I was going to say. And so. <coughs> no, that God keeping the door closed right now is my mouth staying shut right now after those comments right there. The best thing I can do is just keep quiet right there. But, um, anyways, when I say that, singing to the Lord, there's a, oh, I know right exactly where I was going. This is the problem you have in churches today. What happened about 20 years ago is you had, 20, 30 years ago, all you used to have in churches was hymn singing for years. Before that, it was more chanting and even other things, and then hymns were introduced, and hymns have been in church for a long time. The problem is, what a lot of churches did was they said, okay, those were good, but we're going to shelf those, and we're not going to sing anymore hymns. So sometimes what I think that people think or fear inside is, oh, well, we start singing new songs, we're going to lose the old hymns. But you've got to understand something. Those old hymns, they are good. They need to be sung today. Our children need to learn those hymns. They need to know the truth of those hymns. Hymns are valuable and important today. Because I want you to understand something. Singing to God is timeless. It doesn't matter if our society sings a certain style. You can still sing a different style to God because you're singing praise to Him. Hymns are important. I also believe the newer songs of today are important too. There's a generation gap that's being created in our churches. And what some churches do is, what they do is they'll have their traditional service for all their older folks, then they have their contemporary service for all their younger folks, and they separate those two. And that's where we get into trouble. A church needs old folks. A church needs young folks. Yeah, the church needs both. A good, healthy church has both. And that's where we work together. We need to keep the hymns fresh and alive in our church. But we also need to keep new songs fresh and alive in our church, too. Don't, and don't get too, I, I grew up on hymns. I sing hymns all the time. I also sing a lot of new songs, too. And I'm, and they're so good on both ends of the spectrum. And a couple, there's another new one. The title of it's Always. It was written only a month ago. Chris Tomlin wrote it. It's called Always. I challenge you that don't like a lot of the newer music to type in on your, if you can, or find it somewhere, and just listen to the song Always. The theological truth there, it sounds like a modern-day hymn. And even this morning we sang The Power of the Cross. That's a modern-day hymn. Music is a good thing. And when we get tied down to our one selective type we like, we are limiting our praise to God when we should be expanding our praise to Him. It's not about you and me. It's about Him and our worship to Him. And in fact, what are we looking at tonight? The end of Romans. A doxology of praise from Paul to God. I've loved our time in the book of Romans. I personally feel that I've grown in my understanding of the book of Romans over the past year and a half, whatever the case may be. I mentioned this morning there are no such thing as Bible scholars. Anyone who claims to be a Bible scholar is a Bible bonehead is what they really are. We all are students. 
No one's ever going to master anything. We did a long stay in the book of Romans, but there's so much we probably missed. So much more that is there. But I'll tell you what doctrine we've learned in this book. To look at from the beginning and see how Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And he goes through and he says, when a society rejects God, we see in that society some things unfold. Mankind do crazy things that are unnatural because of that. And we see our society today, you push God out, and you see what he is talking about in Romans chapter 1, the end of the chapter unfolding before our very eyes. And then he goes into chapter 2, and you guys that think you're religious and think you're okay, let me tell you, you're still not good enough. You might think you're good, but there is none good. And he lays the foundation in the book to remind all of us of the fact there is nothing good in any of us. And that's, you got to understand that. I think Nick and I were having a little conversation this morning. And sometimes you look at Christians and you see Christians and you see them, they fall into gross sin. And then some people say, well, I just don't know if they were ever saved. Do you realize the old man still lives in us? And we are one bad decision, one decision away from stupid. One decision. One little thing. And you say, no, that, no, it could happen. Be careful lest you fall. There is nothing good about you and I. And Paul clears that up in the first couple chapters. He lays it out. There's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He says, I'm ready to give you the gospel, declare it to you in Rome, and here you go. No one's good. That society, and we're, we're good. We look at this world, and we like to say, yeah, we understand this world's not good. We understand those that don't want God, those that don't live the same lifestyle as us, they're not good, but I do my best to be good for God. I heard someone the other day on a podcast I was listening to, and sometimes I shouldn't listen to certain podcasts because all it does just irritate me because it reminds me of some things I was stuck doing for years that I'm glad I'm breaking free of in other areas. But you hear this thought, God is pleased when I do good. God is not pleased with our good. Our good is nothing. Our good adds up to filthy rags. That doesn't mean you don't try to live for God, okay? That doesn't mean you don't live a separated Christian life. But I cannot do anything good enough to make God happier with me. And Paul clears that up. Yeah, we look at this world, this world's bad. No, Paul says, you're bad. I'm bad. We're all bad. It would do us all good to look in the, and we're all bad. We are. And we, one minute, that's why, how could they do that? You're one decision away from doing that. And sometimes we look at people and we're like, I just don't know if they were saved or this or that. The old man and the new man share one body. And if you let that old man run the roost long enough, there are some things that you'll do. The old man, has the old man changed? The old man hasn't changed. Those things that the old man likes, the old man still likes. That hasn't changed. And so the only way to temper the old man is to put on the new man and let the new man run things. But Paul says, no one's good. He goes into chapter 4, and he tells us there was this guy named Abraham, and he was justified by faith. And God declared him righteous because of the faith that he had. Chapter 5 tells us the fact that God 
loved the world so much, or God commendeth his love toward us while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. And chapter 6 tells us where would we be if it were not for the grace of God. And Christian, where would you be? You know, I'm working on a sermon from last week, and who knows when it will be done. I've just started on it, and it's going to be one of those that takes a long time to get done. But Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he said, Peter saw him. The other 11 saw him. He was seen of over 500 at one time. I saw him. But I'm the least of the apostles. I persecuted the church of Christ. I'm not, I don't even know why I'm counted one. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And whatever we are today, it is by God's grace today. That's what chapter 6 is all about. And Paul kind of closed out chapter 6 and says, so we shouldn't sin anymore, right? But we do. And the things that I don't want to do, chapter 7 goes into this, the things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I do. But I realize I'm not good. I've been saved by grace through faith. I know that God loves me and God's grace is why. But why do I do these things? And then in chapter 8, it takes a swing. It says, you know how you can give victory in the Christian life? You need to yield to the Spirit of God. And let the Spirit of God guide you and lead you in your life. The Spirit is there to help you live the life that God wants you to live. You want to know how to give victory in the Christian life tonight? You yield to the Spirit of God. When you yield to the Spirit of God, He works in your life, and He do, and Paul says, those things I don't want to do, how do I fix that? I listen to the Spirit of God. I let God's Spirit guide me. Chapter 9 and 10, he goes into details about the Jews and reminds us of the fact that they're getting blinded, but God's not done with them. And don't, Gentile, don't get thinking too high and mighty of yourself, because God very easily could go right back to them and forsake you. And there's going to come a day when the fulfillment of the Gentiles comes. And then in chapter number 11, we see there's a doxology of praise to close it out. In chapter 12, Paul says, because of all that the Lord's done, because of the fact that I'm a wicked sinner, because of the fact that by faith I've been justified, and as a dead man, he gave me the faith. He worked in my life. God's grace is at work in me. The Spirit of God is working in me. And because of those things, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed. Don't let this world push you into its mold. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what's that good and acceptable and perfect will. And then take the gifts that you've been given and use them in your local church that God places you in. And then take the things of God and your be a Christian to all those people around you. And then go out in your community and listen to those that are in authority over you, chapter 13. And listen to what they say. They are ministers of God for your good. Chapter 13 goes on to say that now's the time for the Christian to wake up and to live for God. Chapter 14 goes into we have some differences and some different thoughts and opinions on things. And if one person puts one holy day more important than another, let each be fully persuaded in their own mind. 
but don't go out of your way to hurt someone else in their Christian walk. You, you have liberty, but use that liberty, be a Christian in that, and be good to other people. He carries that on for a little bit. Chapter 15 we went through, and we saw all through there, and we get to chapter 16, and Paul starts naming the people who've been a blessing to him. He mentions Phoebe. Mentions Aquila and Priscilla. Goes through 35 names in chapter 16, thanking them for what they'd done for the cause of Christ. And then two weeks ago, we looked at chapter further on in the book, and it says, you need to be watchful, though. There are those that are going to try and creep in and teach doctrines that are contrary to what the book says. Mark them. Separate from them. Hey, church, he tells them, I would that you would be innocent concerning evil. That you would be wise to what's good. Hey, I would rather you study the book of Romans and learn what justification's all about, God's grace is all about, what being spirit-filled is all about. I'd be wise to those good things, be wise to the things of this world. I would rather you be simple, innocent to those things. And then we get to verse 24 through 27. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. But now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. To God, only wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Father, bless the next few minutes that we have this evening. And I pray that you would guide our thoughts and what goes on. I looked at my watch just right now, and we got ten minutes to seven. And you know that literally everything I've said up till right now when I read the scripture was not in my notes at all tonight. I was not going to review through the book. But I pray that you would guide the last few minutes that we have here. I thank you for the awesome privilege be able to study your word. I thank you for allowing me to preach through the book of Romans. Who knows, it might be the last book I finish. You could come, or who knows what could happen, but I thank you for that privilege. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for the spirit that helped guide us through these passages. And thank you for the one that made everything possible, Jesus Christ. Bless the last few minutes we have here tonight. We love you. We need you in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Paul closes his book with praise to God for what he has done. It's a doxology of praise. Oftentimes in church, we think of the doxology, we think of praise God from whom all blessings flow. And that's a, it's a doxology of praise. It's praise to God. And churches sing that to show praise to God. And as we look at this, the Bible is full of many doxologies throughout. The book of Romans 
has it here. In chapter 11, to close out chapter number 11, there's a doxology of praise to Jesus. We think of Psalm 41, 13, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting and everlasting. Amen and amen. Psalm 72, 18, 19, Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wonders, and blessed be his glorious name forever, and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Blessed be the Lord forevermore, Psalm 89, 52, amen and amen. Psalm 106, 48, blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say amen, praise ye the Lord. Psalm 150, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise to him. We see as Paul closes out the book of Romans, and as he's given us under inspiration from God, this wonderful book that's loaded with doctrine. He mentions a few words to close it out. The first word that I see is the word grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Grace. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Grace is God's unmerited love and favor bestowed upon us. Grace. As we look at this doxology of praise, we see right away the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And you realize tonight, grace, if all you got is grace, you're in good shape tonight. We really don't need anything else. His grace is sufficient tonight. And as we think about His grace, and I know we don't have long tonight, and I know I'm just about out of time, but I want you to understand something when we talk about grace. It is God's grace. It's His grace. Thank God for His grace. The Bible tells us in Romans 3.11 that there is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. No one does. And you think about His grace. The Bible tells us in Romans 5, 8, But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't go out of our way to seek God. God went out of His way to seek you and me. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. I want you to understand tonight, the grace that's been bestowed upon us, it is God's grace. No one else's grace, it's His grace tonight. And when we think about His grace, His grace is good enough to save us tonight. Let her be. It's saving grace. Thank God for the grace of God for us as sinners tonight. Praise God for His grace. It's God's grace. It's saving grace. And it's sufficient grace. Hey, Paul was suffering. He was going through it. And he sought the Lord three times to take his infirmity away. And what does the Lord say? My grace is sufficient for you. Hey, God's grace is enough tonight to get you through wherever you're at, whatever's going on. God's grace is good enough. We don't need nothing else. Thank God for his grace. And as Paul closes out this awesome book, and he opens up in a doxology of praise to God. We see him talk about the grace of God. And if it were not for the grace of God tonight, where would you be? Where would I be tonight? Where would your children be tonight? Where would your families be if not for the grace of God? Thank God for his grace. Praise God tonight 
for the grace of God because it is sufficient enough. We see grace. Thank God for his grace. I see in verse 25, Now to him there's a power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the beginning of the world but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandments of everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith I see grace but I see number two I see the gospel thank God for the gospel tonight the good news of Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the gospel. I can't think of better words than what Paul penned here. You're going to close out the book, and after all that we've gone through and all the doctrine that we've read about and all the things that we've seen, doesn't do much better than to thank God and to talk about his grace and to talk about the gospel. The gospel, we look there in verse 25, we see the message of the gospel. And what does Paul say the message of the gospel is? The preaching of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel tonight. Do you realize that tonight? The gospel is the preaching of Jesus Christ. If it's anything but Jesus Christ, it's not the good news. You know, the early church, that's all they did. They preached Jesus. 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 What we have today in our Baptist churches is we preach our preferences. We preach our standards we got to get back to preaching Jesus. It's okay to have standards and preferences. It's a good thing. But we need to get back to preaching that there's none other name given among men whereby you must be saved. It's the name of Jesus. You know what this world needs to hear? They need to hear about Jesus. You know what Chino needs tonight? It needs Jesus. You know what California needs besides a new governor? Jesus. You know what America needs besides a new president? Jesus. Keep the president and just give this world Jesus and we'll all be okay. He is the message of the gospel. It's the preaching of Jesus Christ. And our church has got to get back to it. We see the ministry of the gospel, letter B. Do you see that word, establish us? That word establishing, it means to make stable, to play, firm placely, to, to um, set fast, to fix, to strengthen, to make firm. That's what the gospel does. When I think of how it establishes us, it reminds me of Psalm 40. I love Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me, and he heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay. And what does he do? He sets our feet on a rock. And what does he do? He established my goings. Yeah, that's what the gospel does. It sets us up on a solid foundation and takes care of everything else. That is the power of the gospel. That's what the gospel is all about. And Paul thanks the Lord for his glory and talks about his grace. Glory is the last one. We'll get there in a minute. He talks about the grace. He talks about the gospel. He also talks about the mystery of the gospel. Do you see that there? You see how he, look at what it says there. According to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. Do you know God started letting that secret out just a little bit? Remember in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned? The seed of the woman is going to bruise the serpent's head. What? 
little bit of the mystery was revealed. A little bit later, in Psalm 22, not Psalm, Genesis 22, Abraham takes his son up to Mount Moriah, Calvary. God will provide himself a land. What are you talking about? The mystery was being revealed a little bit more. The Passover happens in Egypt. And a lamb is, the blood is shed and the blood is put on the doorpost and on the sides. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. The day of atonement for the Israelites. It was all revealing the mystery just a little bit. And then Jesus died and rose again. And all those Old Testament prophets of old, all the things that Moses talked about in the book of Leviticus, all the things that Abraham said that God's going to provide himself a lamb, that God's going to do all these things, the mystery of the gospel was revealed in Jesus Christ. The world didn't quite ever realize it, but from God made it manifest. God displayed it and showed it to us in Jesus Christ. It says, which was kept secret since the world began. Adam and Eve had no idea that Jesus was going to die on a cross for them when they entered into this world. Everything was perfect. They mess up, they put on their fig leaves. The Lord does some things and puts animal skins. They didn't have it all figured out. None of them had it all figured out. The mystery of it all. But God knew before the foundation of the world that the Lamb of God would be slain. Do you realize that tonight? That mystery was, the mystery of the gospel was revealed, and thanks be to God for the gospel. That whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we look lastly tonight at the word glory. We see the word grace, we see the word gospel, and we see the word glory. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. The word glory, didn't we talk about glory this morning? Did we talk about glory today? Did we talk about glory today? That Jesus, all right. How you look right now is how I feel right now. We're almost there, okay? I know. I know, I know, but how you look right now, I, I get you, I see you, I know what you're thinking, I, I get you right now. We did talk about glory today. If you didn't re remember that, we talked about how Jesus is coming again, and he's coming in glory, he's coming with power, and he's coming, anybody remember the third one? Anybody remember the third one? He's coming with salvation. That was good, I heard someone over there, good job, whoever that was. I don't know who it was, but that was a good one there. We talk about glory, we see... To God only wise be glory. We see letter A, we see the glory of God's wisdom. God planned it all out. God had it all. God's, God, is, God deserves all the glory, the splendor, all of it. We see God is the only wise. Do you see that there? Do you see that, right? That's what it says. As much as this world tries to mess up God's plans, God's plans will not be messed up. And God knew that a sacrifice had to be made, and no man tried to do things their way and do it what they wanted to. It never worked out. And then we see B, and lastly, we see the glory of Jesus Christ. 
we see to the only wise God. Look at what it says there in the, that last verse. To God only wise be glory through who? Jesus Christ. Forever. Amen. That phrase reminds us of all that God has done for us. But do you realize tonight all that God's done for us has been through the agent of Jesus Christ? God loved us so much, he gave us his son. God, God commended his love toward us while we got sinners. His son died for us. Anything that we have from God comes through his son. That's why he deserves all the glory and all the praise. What a book, the book of Romans. I'll close it out with praise and glory to the King of Kings.